The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast, your guide for growing lawn care and landscape startups into a thriving business. This show is dedicated to helping you improve your business and achieve financial success. Your host, Paul Jameson, is the best-selling author of Cut That Grass and Make That Cash and The Lawn Care Advantage, winning strategies for a thriving landscaping business. Join us as Paul shares his expertise and passion, helping you create a prosperous future. Now, here's your host, Paul Jameson. Welcome to today's episode of the Green Industry Podcast. This is part two with my interview with the lawn care millionaire, Jonathan Potoshnik. If you missed yesterday's episode and you want to get caught up in context, I encourage you to listen to, I believe that was episode 1154. And uh, that was part one with JP, Jonathan Potoshnik, the lawn care millionaire. So without further ado, here is part two. Buckle up. This is going to be fun. We had learned this all before, but whenever we arrive in a new place, we get a, a guide for four hours to show us the lay of the land and make recommendations. And then we'll just go explore from then on, or maybe we'll get guides again. Having them arrange that stuff for us makes the trip so much better. And so there's little details like that to that, where I just really believe in having somebody help you. And I wanted to tell the story about how this is something that's, uh, it's approachable for somebody who maybe isn't in a financial position yet to spend a lot of money on a trip. The, getting the help actually doesn't cost you extra money. It probably will actually save you money and it will get you a better trip. So that's how I do it. You guys usually stay at hotels or, or Airbnbs or how does that set, set? Both. We have been staying at more hotels in the last couple of years, whereas over the years traveling, I can think of lots of countries, you know, uh, Switzerland, uh, France, Mexico. I can think of all these places that are outside the United States. So we've done a lot of Airbnbs or I've used, I don't know if they're still here. It's been a few years, but I use one fine stay a fair bit and it's a little higher level. And so we're fans of the Airbnb, but on these trips recently, we've been staying again, this might sound bad, but um, we've been staying in only five-star stuff and really nice areas. And again, it's, we're very thankful and fortunate to be in this position, but it was the experience that my wife and I wanted. So we can live in anywhere. Like I'll be in New Zealand hiking for five days in the middle of nowhere with probably no cell phone, almost no cell phone coverage. We can totally go bare bones, no amenities. We can live in that world. And we also do enjoy living in the five-star world. So he's been roughing it. The Westin and what, what is that? Like a three-star? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Well, I've seen, I, I am convinced that Asia has some of the most insane place hotels and what's been the nicest one uh the nicest one there's a i don't know if it's the nicest one because we've been in some crazy stuff but i love the four seasons in uh hoi en in vietnam it's on the beach and it's a three room it's like you have a whole living room uh building and then you have a whole bedroom suite building and then you have a whole nother building 
all within a little wall. Like you have a wall around the building and then there's the beach behind you and your full time concierge person stays in that wow. little building right there when your little compound That is a pretty epic place. I, I got to tell you one more. We uh, we flew into uh, Hanoi. This is again, Vietnam, Hanoi, which is the capital. It's in the northern part of Vietnam. The other place was Hoi An, which we love that area. Um, and we arrived and our driver who picked us up said, oh, my gosh, you're staying at this place. I forget the name of the place. And he's, you're staying in the single best room in all of Vietnam. Again, I used a travel person to help me with this. I just said, we want a nice place. I didn't say I need the best. I just want a nice place. Like, what do you recommend? I didn't even, and I trusted them because I'd used them a bunch. For this trip, I used a group called Abercrombie and Kent. And um, and so we get there and we we get to the hotel and there are five people standing on the steps walking into the hotel. Some are holding flowers and roses. They wow. welcome us. We're, and we are not... Like I'm not, I'm the guy that if you want to help me, I'm like, I don't need you to take my bags. I'll help you. Like I'll help you. I'm not, I don't need people doing everything for me. I've learned to let more people do things for me because delegation is the way you get bigger in business. But it kind of is weird to have the experience of people taking care of everything for you. So anyway, then two people take us up to our room and it's this suite. It's a multi room suite. And there's a book in our room on the table and it's got like John Kerry, you're the, the set, the, politician. It's got prime minister of different countries. It's got, I think, uh, Donald Trump. It Biden has stayed in this room. These are the room. Wow. This is the room where Nancy Pelosi, all these people from around the world stay in this room. And there was a book in there and the, where they had written notes wow. to the hotel. You put the lawn care millionaire. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I should have. I didn't, I didn't write the book. Yeah, that would have been. That's a great idea. Didn't do that. <laughs> Just for the fun. They would, they would have tore that page out Donald of the book. Trump. Yeah. So anyway, it, we, that that one wasn't the best room, um, but it was. That's a crazy experience. We had no idea. So anyway, those are a few stories. So you only stay at five star resorts. <laughs> Five week vacations on the big guy. Well, yeah, this sounds terrible. Like that's the phase we were wanting to have this experience. I'm taking this break. We want to have that experience. I, it's not a necessity for us to do that. It's just like we're in a very fortunate position. So we want to try this version of things. And we had stayed at very nice places before, but um, we're doing it a little differently than I would not have spent the, spent the level of money previously that I'm spending now. And, but I want to be clear, we will, be excited. We are excited to live in all different world worlds and versions of travel. But this is the experience for many of the trips we've been having more recently. So you like the four seasons? What what other ones? Rich Carlton? Ritz is okay. I was just at the Ritz in Beaver Creek last week. It's okay. I like it. It's great. I mean, that sounds again, this this stuff may sound stupid, but um it's very expensive. You know, I, I still think about we had a dinner at the Ritz in Bever and it was a decent sushi dinner it was Tiffany and I for 500 bucks. It's like, so sometimes you get into these really high end rest uh, hotels and they have really nice service, but I'm not very demanding from a service. You know, I was staying in a hotel in London and we had a Butler. I don't know what to use a Butler for. <laughs> they want to, and I get to these hotels that want to unpack my luggage and hang it up. Like, no, I'm okay. Thank you though. And then they want to repack your luggage. Like, eh, and I don't need that service either. I don't even know what to use these services for. So, um, so sometimes I don't 
use the Ritz for the Ritz, what the Ritz will provide. I'm not a person that complains. Like, what am I going to go be upset about? Like, it's the Ritz, pretty good. So I don't need the level of service they've trained their team for. And then a lot of times, I don't think the restaurants are as good in these super premium hotels. And so as an example, the Ritz was in Beaver Creek was, or Avon, you know, however you know it, was, it was, the meal was great, but for 500 bucks, no. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm generally, I, so I'll stay in those places, but I don't always need to stay at that level. Or I don't even generally eat at the restaurants they have there, maybe breakfast or something like that. We've generally been, Four Seasons to me is generally cheaper than the Ritz and Four Seasons is a nice one, but we just look around for what, you know, really good hotels are. I tend to be more excited about staying in the non-name brand. Like there'll be a really nice hotel unique to that country mm-hmm. that it's, that's a, and it just so happened that sometimes that's the, Four Seasons has done a great job buying previous properties and making them a Four Seasons property, and they just have a lot of personality. And so it really varies. I'm I'm not stuck on a brand. Okay. What about um, air travel? Your how do you fly? Um, business. I fly, but I didn't. So when you go to New Zealand, you'll you guys will be on the front of the plane. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, but. I didn't always do that. It's a luxury that I now have. Even when I had was, and I, I really have up. So we had sold part of our software company. Prior to that, I was by any measure, incredibly successful. I mean, ready and very successful and had saved and invested a tremendous amount of money. And I didn't fly business class that much. In fact, if I did fly business class, sometimes with my wife, I would do it with my wife but I would never fly business class on my own. It's like, I don't care. I can sit in this seat. I, in my logic, here's my logic. So flying to Italy and Europe and these places over the years, taking our boys, we flew generally a premium economy where you had just a little, like six inches more leg room. We're out of Dallas. So a lot of our flights are on American airlines and that's the language they use. My logic was if I'm flying to Italy with my boys and it's $6,500 a person to fly for nine hours in, I've got four of us, then I'm spending, what is that? That's 13, that's $26,000. If tomorrow you call me up and said, hey, Jonathan, will you come sit in this chair right here for nine hours and I'll pay you twenty six thousand dollars? I'll sit in a freaking chair every day of the week for twenty six thousand dollars for nine hours. And that was the math I've always used in my head. It's like I for saving for sitting in a little bit bigger seat at the front of the plane for nine hours. I'm I'm costing my bank account twenty six thousand dollars. I would take that trade every day of the week. That was how I always justify. It's like I'm not spending twenty six thousand dollars. I'll spend, you know. 1800 bucks to, you know, to sit back here, whatever the number is. And so I generally, even when I could definitely perf- uh, afford it, didn't spend it. I also have probably been pretty thoughtful about the way my kids grow up. And so um, it's that too has been a luxury where after we, we had taken some more money off the table, it's like, we really never need to think about money again. When we got to that place, it's like, okay, I mean, this doesn't matter. The accumulation of more money doesn't matter. And so now we fly business class, hundred percent of the time, but I didn't fly business class here at Atlanta because I'm still wired that, what do I care about sitting in first class? And I'm not drinking any alcohol right now. So I don't, there's nothing I get from it. Like I don't need to, I don't want to be tempted to drink a drink up there. And that's what I'll do if I sit in first class. So I get a little bit bigger seat for an extra 500 bucks. Like I don't care. I'm, so I, I now even, I can't get these behaviors out of my life when I'm flying by myself. A lot of times I still don't even fly first class even though it does not financially matter whatsoever. So that's the way I think about it. Wow. 
Well, I want to move along to your speech from today, uh, kind of some recaps from that uh, okay. about, I mean, you can share whatever you want, but I was taking notes and I had takeaways. Yeah. Why don't you prompt me on, on whatever you want to talk well, about? Well, I think it was focus and where, where you want to be <clears throat> five years from now. Yes. Um, just to put in context, our audience, Jonathan, it's these guys aren't on five week trips in New Zealand, no. five star hotels with business class yet, but that's on our vision boards. They're in startup lawn care businesses. Mm-hmm. How can five years from now, you know, potentially be, be that. thriving? Yeah. Yeah. So I talked and I'm going to, again, let you guide me here. I, I know I always give really long answers, so I'll try to be a little brief, more brief here in the beginning. The gist of what I talked about, if you kind of walk through the outline, was in the beginning of the conversation, I was trying to challenge the audience that they are compromising in life and they they're saying they want one thing. And so when they're, and I gave the example, when you're sitting around with your buddies and you're dreaming and maybe it's, maybe you're having a couple cocktails and you feel relaxed and you're high energy and you're just, you're having those great conversations. We all have probably experienced that. Even if you don't drink, you've probably had some kind of experience where you're excited about the future and you're just let, you've let down your guard and you're let, you're thinking, yes, I'm finally going to go for it. What is that dream you have for next year or the next five years? Now, what is the difference between the, that dream and what you're experiencing now because of the actions you're taking? And so I was trying to get the audience to think about where are they compromising? They say, I'm this person or I want this thing, but they're not doing what it takes to get there. And I, and so from that, I sort of, I rolled into what are three pillars of taking your smaller business to millions of dollars, um, and I'm skipping a lot of parts of the conversation. And I started with focus. I believe that the unlock for the majority of companies is serving a smaller client base, a more specific client, smalling, uh, serving a smaller geographic area, providing fewer services um, so that you can hire a specific kind of team member, train them in a specific kind of way, use a specific kind of equipment or tools and only the same kind of equipment tools, buy only the same kind of trucks. It's it's take it's bill your clients all the same way. It's taking complexity out of the business because complexity slows everything down. It's just harder to scale complexity. And so in the early days, you keep things way more simple than almost everybody does. It's counterintuitive. But what it does at first, if you're cutting, meaning you're shrinking your market, you're shrinking your service offering, it, it does slow you down for a moment. But then it speeds everything up. As the business matures and you have more financial ability, you have more internal knowledge, you have more team, then you add complexity to the business. And by that, I would say now we start adding more services. We start adding more client types that we serve and you wait till you instead like uh, in the trades, a lot of trades needs licensing. So what's a common scenario? The, the owner says, Oh, we need to go in this trade. I'll get the license. No, no bad idea. You wait until you can afford to just hire the manager to build that piece, help you build that piece of the business that has the license, or you wait till you can go hire the very experienced technician that has the licensing. And you, so what I'm saying is you wait until there's enough free cash flow in the business that we can, we're not going to get into the next service offering or serve the next client till we can go quick and we can just buy the expertise and knowledge. And by buy, I mean hire a person that already has the knowledge and expertise. So it's an example of stepping back to go faster, to put yourself in a position to add complexity later and go really fast. So then there was one more element to this, uh, and it was this what I call these, I think of them as two machines in your business. 
is this where you wanted me to go? Is yes, this, okay. please. So there's these two machines in your business. And once you bring more simplicity and take complexity out of your organization, it's not as hard to build a business as we all think it is in the early days. And that's easy to say when you're on the other side of it. The reality is it is hard because there's so much none of us know when we're trying to build this thing. And one of the things I was trying to convey to the audience was simply that the entire game, if you think about the 80-20 of it, what is what matters most? What matters most is we bring in enough, we, we build an engine inside our organization that attracts clients to our company and brings in work. And then we have to fulfill the work. So we need a, a similar engine that will go attract team members to come work for us. And then we have a process to coach them up to be able to produce the work. Synced Live 2024 in Atlanta, Georgia is the premier event in the green industry that showcases unique products and solutions for your business. From top industry leaders sharing their knowledge through engaging presentations to networking opportunities with top industry brands and fellow attendees all on the showroom floor. Get your tickets at SyncLive.com and join us this February in Atlanta where landscape design, build, and maintenance come together under one roof. Are you looking to supercharge your lawn care business, check out Footbridge Media. They'll optimize your online presence, manage your reviews, and provide personalized marketing consulting, all under a fixed price pledge. With no hidden charges and a 90-day money-back guarantee, it's time to take your business to the next level. Visit GreenIndustryPodcast.com now to discover more about Footbridge Media, your bridge to success. Hey guys, Jason Creel here and want to invite you to the fourth annual Lawn Care Life Conference in Springville, Alabama. That's just outside Birmingham, Alabama, near my hometown. We have room for 300 tickets. The early bird ticket pricing is $197, and that includes your meals. We're talking about Friday night, most of the day Saturday. We're going to feed you dinner, breakfast, and lunch. We've got great speakers lined up. I'm going to be there. My friend Paul Jamison's going to be there. Naylor Taliaferro, Jeremiah Jennings, Alan Hain, the Lawn Care Nut, Caleb and Brittany Allman, and my friend Jeremy. Vest. We've got a great lineup, a lot of excitement, and every year that we've done this event, the reviews have been fantastic. So come hang out with us, Springville, Alabama. If you need a ticket and want to register, you need to do so before it sells out because I really think it's going to sell out this year. This is Friday and Saturday, February 23rd and 24th in Springville, Alabama. To get a ticket, go to LawnCareLife.com and click on the link for conference. Those are kind of the only things that matter to get you to the low millions of dollars. It's the balance between bringing in work and the balance of producing the work. So what happens is maybe we are attracted to marketing and we love marketing and sales. And so we do a good job building that engine inside the organization. We're, we're better at that. We're stronger at that. But what happens is we don't really execute and go big with the marketing because we have a people problem. We don't have enough people to produce the work. So we live in fear that I could do all this marketing, bring in all this work, but I'm never going to be able to do it. So we don't really let our marketing engine, sales and marketing yep. engine run. Or maybe you're a person that you have plenty of potential team members and you're better at that, but you have all these great people that you could hire, but you don't hire them because you have no confidence you can sell the work. I don't know what's happened here. <clears throat> so the key here is that we have to get both of those machines, the marketing machine and the people machine firing in unison. They'll get out of balance where we've got more team members to potentially hire <clears throat> more people we could potentially recruit. But um, 
we're not doing enough marketing. <laughs> I'm falling. Yeah, up. John, I'm falling Jonathan gave a uh, gave a an hour and fifteen minute yeah. speech, and he's been sitting here telling us about five weeks of New Zealand first <clears> class got, at the Four Seasons. I got like this tickle in my throat, and I'm <clears throat> sorry, guys. No, this is awesome. My my vision board is like your life, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm very thankful. Right. I love it. Yeah. And you know, I never. I never could have the vision for how, I mean, I, I wanted a bigger future, a bigger life, but you rewind my life 20 years ago. I, I have some of the, I have, I've accomplished those things, but I never could picture it being exactly the way it's turned out. We only have two weeks left of vacation. <clears throat> yeah. I've never yeah, said so. that, but I want to. Yeah. So it's just, and I, the reason I said that is I think it's amazing how if you just keep showing up, doing the right things and you're thoughtful about what you're doing, you take care of your people and your team and, you know, you're involved in business groups and you're in environments like this. It's amazing what life could look like five and 10 years later. And, and, and it can be so much more than you ever imagined. And um, I just, it's, it's all about just showing up and doing the actions every day that are moving the thing forward. And it's amazing where it go, can go. So back to my two machine concept is if they get out of balance and marketing's going really well, but you don't have confidence you can bring in team members, you you slow down the marketing engine, vice versa. If you have the ability to recruit and you've got a lot of people, but you have no confidence that you'll be able to sell enough work to keep them busy, you slow down the recruiting engine. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly, and this doesn't ever change. You're constantly fighting that battle for the rest of your business life where we've got a, like where we've got plenty of capacity produced to work. We need to really bring in more work through marketing and sales. And then at times when they'll get out of balance and you've got to just constantly bounce back and forth working on these two engines of your business. And my point to the team or to the audience was simply that that is business for the, it gets more complex later because you got to bring in lots of management and you need different high level people in the organization. But for millions of dollars in the trade for the first many millions of dollars, it's really just about bringing in the work and producing it if you keep it simple enough. And so the majority of all your brain power should just go around. How do we attract and close business? And how do we attract and recruit and train people to do the work? And with City Turf, your business, it's north of Dallas? <clears throat> it is, yes. Uh, you're the owner of the business. Mm-hmm. And you don't even, some days you don't even think about the business. It's $15 million a year revenue? Yeah, I would say the majority of the time I don't think about that business. Be, and, and how is that even possible? awesome people. I mean, the entire game of business that I have come to believe is it's all about people. And it's virtually impossible to internalize that concept earlier in our careers. You have met business owners over time that have really great skills, like some individuals you'll know are great marketers or great salespeople. They're great leaders. They're, they're, they're business owners that have really strong skill sets. If tomorrow you could convince the best business owner friends you have in these different areas of business to come work for you and give up their dream of having a business, but come be part of your business, they would just run those parts of the business for you. So if you hired somebody, it's really like if I joined your company working for you and you want help in sales and marketing, you and I are not, you're not going to coach me. You're, we're not going to sit down in meetings. You're like, Jonathan, I'm really disappointed that you're not doing it this way. You really need to think about this. No, our part, you're the owner, but our relationship is going to be um, 
could you not run quite as fast? Because I don't have enough capital to afford this. Our relationship is going to be peers Mm -hmm. together marching towards accomplishing a vision. I join your team and I just build it for you. You're not telling me how to build it. You're not mentoring me. You're not coaching me. We're just meeting every week and staying on the same page and making sure we're marching in the same direction. And I'm, you're as the owner saying to me, what resources do you need so you can keep running? I come into your world and I just build. Does, does this make sense? I'm like, hey, what I'm trying to get at is when, if you could, if you think about great entrepreneurs and you could have them join your company, you don't need to do anything with them. They just build it for you inside your company. That's the same concept with team members. Uh, you get to a place where you can afford and attract and deserve to employ the kinds of people that just come in and do it inside your organization for you. It's not what you normally picture where it's like, oh, I got to, I got to find the right person. Then I've got to coach them up over two or three years. Then I hope they turn into a person that could run this part of the business. And a lot of times when they're running parts of the business, I really need to help them. I got to kind of manage them. I got to have constant discussions with them. No, no. All that stuff goes away when you hire the right people. It takes a while for us to be able to afford those people. But once you get to that place, that is the unlock in business. That is, you cast a vision and say, this is where we're going. It's a sports team analogy. If I'm the head coach, I'm just, I'm recording, I'm re, uh, recruiting the best quarterback, the best running backs that I can afford or attract to our team that want to play in our city. And I'm just going and getting the best people. And I'm putting all the right people that are totally capable of doing this thing together. And my job is just to say, this is where we're going keep the energy level up, the excitement level and show them how it's the same concept in business. But the reason why most of us feel like business is so slow and hard is because we're not getting people on our team that can run inside the organization. There are people that take four and five years to develop. And by the time we develop them, they're exhausted and they're ready to go have a new challenge or new experience in their life. And they leave our company and go somewhere else. And so the business just never gets to where it needs to be. So for the people that are running your business, how do you keep them motivated and, and wanting to be working at City Turf as their dream job and they're not picked off by, by some other opportunity? A lot of things. I'm a proponent of growing bigger businesses. And one of the reasons I'm a proponent of that is the best people want to live inside an organization that's growing. People don't want to live in the same role do the same thing for their entire career, many. They want to feel like they're at a really great company that has, I believe a lot of what is happiness is believing that tomorrow will be a better day, that we can somehow grow as a person, improve our health, improve our families, improve our businesses, and tomorrow's gonna be better. That's, I think that's a version of happiness. And I think it's the same for team members that come into our world. They wanna grow themselves. They want to be in places where there's energy and excitement. Energy and excitement comes from things getting better and improvement. They want to see the organization, organization is fixing things. The best people want to see that we're truly taking care of our clients, that we truly care about and take care of our team members. That gets into culture stuff. They want to live in an environment where they're not a cog in a wheel and they're not viewed as simply a way to get one more percent of profit out of the business, or they're not simply viewed in a way that I can go as the owner, have five-star hotel vacations. That's not their purpose. Their purpose is to help me build something and be part of this and me do it with them and them and, and uh, us as a group really valuing and caring about our clients. That's the rough bones of what somebody cares about. So you've got to create that environment. 
and they want to work around other people that are good team members. Nobody wants to work next to the person that's, you know, slacking off and like, why am I doing all the work? And so it's, that's again, a culture thing. And so you've got to build that environment and you've got to cast the vision and you've got to uh, create energy inside that environment. So people are excited to do it. Very well said. Towards the end of your speech, you gave us a, like an assignment to write down our goals for our dreams for five years from now mm-hmm. um, and what's kind of our compromises holding us back from that. What, what is your advice to, to make that a reality of where we want our business and life to be five years from now? In terms of how to think about it or what it should look like? Either or. What it should look like is unique to you and you should try to fight very hard the temptation to compete against or to put yourself in a place where you have bragging rights. I talk about building a bigger company. A reason I talk about that is because I'm very passionate about who you become in the process. I'm passionate about because it can give you a level of wealth and freedom in your life. I'm passionate about because I really like people and I like in a bigger company, I have the ability to impact more people. There's a lot of things I like about a bigger business. And you could hear me talk about that, but that may not be your dream or desire whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And so if you say, well, I want to build a bigger business because I want to be like Jonathan or be like somebody else, um, you're going to be disappointed. You have to figure out what you want. If you see other people living in a really awesome house, you're like, well, I want that. But but everything it would take to get there is not congruent uh, or will not everything it would take to get there. The only goal it accomplishes is getting you that bigger thing or that car. That's not a happy life. The the car or the house or the thing will not overcome the amount of time spent having to do the work to get there. We're in a group here where there's a lot of content creators. I would argue that for many of the content creators, they need to be solely focused on becoming just a content creator and getting out of the trade. For other people that are content creators, I would tell them you should just be building the business and do way less content. You and um, It's easy to look at other people and say, I want that thing. And then you make their vision your vision. It's it's uh, and so you have to get really clear on what you really, really want for you and your family and then not to get caught up in putting on a show or accomplishing just something for the bragging rights. And every, nobody's like, nobody nobody's running around thinking about you every day. Like, so if you're thinking about how do I look better to the rest of the world, you are not going to end up with the life you want. What you need to think about is what are our values? What do we want? What is a good, well-lived life for us, our family? And what do we need to build towards? You know, so for me, I'll give the example. Um, I'm conflicted sometimes on, well, maybe I want to build another technology company or what, maybe I want to build a multi-hundred million dollar service company. And at the end of the day, I tend to think now where I'm at in life, that is more about just accomplishing the goal of building a hundred million dollar thing that as soon as I get there, it will not even matter to me. And, or it's about, I know other people that have done way bigger deals to me. It's like, well, I think I could do big deal, bigger deals like them. These are all bad motivations. But what I do love is I like doing this. I like somebody saying to me that, Hey, I met you six years ago and now I'm in the business or I met you six years ago and I want to get out of the business and now I have a $2 million business or I met you and I changed my personal life. Like that's the stuff that gets me excited. That's the stuff when I think I'm, you know, about to pass away and I say, what was a life well lived? A life well lived was not that Jonathan owned a $200 million company. The life well lived was that there are a thousand people that said, 
my life and my family would be nothing like it is had I not met you. Not because I did it, but because I was just like a little spark. And so when you're dreaming, what is it that most matters at your core? And it's unique to you. And that's what needs to go down. I am very fond of nice cars and nice homes, but they're just like little additives to life. They do actually make life better, but they're not enough. They're just like the little bonus. Mm. And so that's one. And then this, and so you just need to sit down and think about it. I would say as a reference, and I've never read this book, but I'm going to recommend it. Um, there's a book called, I believe it's called paint uh, vivid vision by Cameron Harold. Several people have recommended. I'm very familiar with the process he's teaching. It's a, my understanding of the book is it's an exercise in how you create your vivid vision, your future. While I've not read it, I know enough about Cameron Harold that I would say uh, you should probably listen to him. And so if you want to go deeper with this topic, maybe check out that book. Fantastic. Well, this has been really good, Jonathan. I know you have spoken for an hour and then our podcast has probably been about an hour. So I'll give your local cords a break. But on behalf of the community, I want to say thank you. When I got here yesterday morning, a guy, Jeremy, showed up and he's like, is Jonathan Patasha going to be here? I was like, I think. <laughs> and, and then, uh, he, you know, he was telling me, he's like, I uh, started watching you and Calfus on YouTube and they started a business. And I think he said they do 15 million a year. He does. And because of your YouTube channel. He, it's awesome. And so, you know, and then Naylor, I know that you know he appreciates you, but like we respect you so much and we're uh, rookies, you know, in business and and things of that nature. And for you to um, impart this knowledge and wisdom to us, like it means so much to us um, that you would just take a few days and hang out with us and, and teach us this stuff. We, we thank you for sewing into us. You're welcome. I mean, this is my these are my people. I think entrepreneurs change the world and um, any I'm just incredibly passionate about younger people becoming entrepreneurs because of who it'll make them. And so this is the world I enjoy living in. And I, I'm, I mean, I heard your story a little bit yesterday. I, as I said, I hadn't realized you had got out of the business and you're fully dedicated to, uh, it's overly simplifying it to say content creation. I think that's amazing. And I mean, you'll have a mat, much, much bigger impact on the world doing this than you will mowing lawns or whatever you were doing before. And I think 20 years from now, you will look back and say, that is a life well lived. So I enjoy being here. So thank you for what you said. But it's, it's just it's, it's fun to hang out with people that are doing things in the world. Cool. Thanks so much, Jonathan. And thanks again to Naylor. Well, I was just saying, and my mic got cut off there, but I appreciate Naylor pioneering this LCR Summit. I appreciate Mr. Producer attending his first industry event. It seemed like he had a great time. Uh, he delivered a great speech uh, during his talk and we were at dinner with the group and uh, I was uh, leaving and saying bye to everybody and, and him and Mike Garvey were laughing. I don't know what the joke was, but they were laughing so hard. I don't even know if they they saw me leaving. I was just like, see you guys later. And they were just hunched over laughing. So Mr. Producer probably dropped one of his funny jokes, but he had he had Garvey laughing pretty, pretty big there. So great time at the LCR Summit. Can't wait for the next one. Naylor, uh, I think I know when it's going to be and everything, but we'll let him make the official announcement on all of that. But what is official for the next um, uh, lawn care event here is in Alabama, February 23rd through 24th, 2024. Uh, we're having the Lawn Care Life Conference. I know many of you have already registered, but I do want to mention to those of you who have not that once it sells out, it truly is going to be sold out because uh, it's at Jason's family property and with the fire marshals and all of that, they only have room for 300 people. 
and you want to be a part of that number, I am telling you what, it's going to be a fun event. Naylor's going to be there. Uh, Caleb and Brittany Almond. Uh, Jeremy Vest is going to be there, who teaches on uh, how to make better content. We're going to have Alan Hain, the lawn care nut himself. Uh, he's going to be there. We're going to cover tops topics such as financial mastery, uh, how to get out of the truck and work on your business, not in your business, how to use technology to your advantage, uh, how to create better content, and how to increase your profits. Jason Creel has a wonderful uh, message prepared for us on increasing profits. So he had a great year last year in his personal life and business, and uh, he's going to share some things with us uh, that will be impactful. But most importantly, events like this, it's the networking. That's where the power happens is the the networking. Uh, so we're going to have all meals included. Uh, we're going to have a Friday night dinner that everybody's invited to breakfast on Saturday, lunch on Saturday for you. Um, we're going to have a bunch of fun time out on the hundred acres as well. We'll have uh, equipment there from Ferris and, and Crest Commercial and Xmark Mowers. Uh, Milwaukee uh, is doing a giveaway. Xmark's giving away a 30 inch uh, lawnmower. Uh, Yardbrook's is going to be there and uh, it's going to be awesome time. So want to cordially invite you to Springville, Alabama for Lawn Care Life Conference February 23rd through 24th. You can get your tickets by clicking on the link in today's show notes or just visiting greenindustrypodcast.com. Hey, it's Paul. Is it time to elevate your lawn care business with Jobber? As a field service management software, Jobber has been a game changer for me since 2019, streamlining everything from quotes to payments and making customer communication a breeze. Tap the link in our show notes and see why over 200,000 home service pros trust Jobber to grow their business. Click the link in today's show notes or visit getjobber.com forward slash Paul to learn more. Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening. Ladies, at Essentia Health, you're not just a patient. You're a partner in your healthcare journey. We'll get to the heart of your health questions, even the ones you're embarrassed to ask. We'll find solutions to fit your unique needs and lifestyle, because here, we're in it together. Feel confident in your care and in yourself. Schedule a women's health appointment with an Essentia Health provider today. Click the banner to learn more.